Thank you for tuning in to the Natty News Daily Podcast. This episode is brought to you in part by our sponsor, Core Nutritionals. You can check out corenutritionals.com for all your supplement needs and use code NattyNewsDaily at checkout to save 20%. Enjoy the episode. All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Natty News Daily Podcast. Dan and I are joined by Peter Herg. Uh, we talked about this before. I was going to butcher it. <laughs> Peter. <laughs> you had the trading James. Man, yeah, You've already lost the plot. All right. We, we I should have. Fine. <laughs> Peter, welcome. Do we want to roll with it? Are we rolling, running yeah, with it? Yeah, we're, we're um, running with it. Yeah, it's fine with me. Uh, what's we it, don't guys? edit anything here. here. We have fun here. <laughs> yeah, so that's out of, out of the way now, right? So we can just talk about anything. Um, so we've got Peter on board today. Peter is uh, a unique individual in as such that he is a strongman competitor and more than just a strongman competitor, a very well-established record holder, um, competed Arnold amateur, correct? Yeah. Right? Okay. So like high level, right? Not your backyard uh, brawl type environment here. And is a pro natural bodybuilder as well. Just competed at the Mr. America. So we want to dive into both aspects of that kind of get to know you a little bit. So I'm going to turn the mic right over to you. Let's hear a little bit about, you know, how you got into the physique sports and the strength sports. Um, let's see in college. I, um, basically just wanted to get in shape. Um, I've been, at least in, in high school, I was basically just kind of a computer guy, uh, sat down, played a lot of world of Warcraft through college. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, like freshman year, I basically, just played video games through freshman year so my parents took me back to back to home and they have a like a basement uh, basement gym and a buddy of mine and I just kind of were working out a little bit and kind of just having someone with me to lift I was like oh this is actually pretty great I I like this but I hate team sports so maybe there's an aspect of exercise that I don't hate um and I kind of got into that things kind of move forward a little bit um, just kind of like lifting for aesthetics for the most part, just generally. Um, I was at a, like a 24 hour fitness, uh, waiting on a squat rack and there was a dude in there just doing rack pulls for like 15 minutes. I was like, whatever, I'll just work in with this dude. I was going to do squats, but whatever, I'll just do some rack pulls with this guy. And he was like double overhanding like 585 for set to like 10. I was like, whatever, I'll, I'll throw on some straps, do something with him. Um, and he, uh, you know, we ended up chatting, talking. He was like, Hey, I do strong, man. Do you want to like come to my place and carry kegs and lift a log or something like that? Which doesn't sound like something you would normally take someone up on, <laughs> but yeah. like, I knew I didn't want to power lift, um, like power lift. Like I liked squatting, benching and deadlift, but as a competitive venue, it just, or direction, it wasn't really what I wanted, but I'd, I'd heard of strong man kind of vaguely, you know, from like TV. Um, some people have seen that. But I was like, I mean, I'll give it a go. It sounds, sounds kind of varied. Um, but after kind of, you know, going to his yard and doing like some uh, keg bear hugs, um, he had a log um, and some axle presses, stuff like that, some carries. Um, we went over to another dude's place that he knew, which is a Scottish guy that also does Highland Games. And he had a huge home gym, which for me, this was many, like, I guess about eight, nine years ago at this point and he had basically a um he had a squat rack in his garage the ceiling was cut out to fit the squat rack <laughs> um and then it was just a bunch of like highland games and strongman equipment and that's like basically the old time strongman is in someone's backyard training with whatever implements they have and 
I really just kind of fell in love with the sport there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely a unique sport, right? I feel like every time I watch an event or a competition, there's new things that I've never seen before. Like, obviously, I've seen, you know, a log press, you've seen like the carries and stuff like that, but like, mm -hmm. throwing kegs over the bar and, you know, picking up, I don't know what they did, like the, like carrying the yoke around like the wheel or whatever, the, like, it's just oh, yeah. so unique. Uh, Conan's like, wheel. Yeah, like deadlifting cars and stuff like that. It's really just like some big meathead sitting back going like, all right, what crazy thing can we do now? Like, oh, let's go pull a truck. Like, that's awesome. Like, that's the ultimate test of, I don't know, true strength to me, right? Because it's not just moving A to B. It's it's very dynamic. Yeah, it also means people really know you're good at moving them. Like, if they need someone to help them move, they yeah. know you move the weird stuff. <laughs> yeah, you're used to picking up anything for sure. Yeah, but no, the uh, like the varied implements is one of the things that really drew me to the sport. Like like natural stones, atlas stones themselves are just awesome. Uh, yeah, the Conan wheel that you described is one of my favorite events. It's just so brutal. It sits in a weird place, and it's just a weird endurance, strength endurance exercise, which is a bunch of fun, deck, you know, bittersweet sort of fun. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the cool things about strongman stuff is it's actually growing quite a bit of popularity in, in a lighter form in CrossFit, which is giving it a kind of a, like a lot of like popularity for the lighter weight classes as well. Because a lot of people don't know strongman has weight classes. They kind of picture Thor or Eddie Hall or Brian Shaw and they're like, well, I'm not a 400 pound, seven foot tall dude. So I guess I'm not going to try the sport. But there's weight classes. Well, I mean, so you guys you guys know that I compete in bodybuilding right now at about 135 uh, with mm -hmm. lows at about 133 for depletion. Um, I compete at 175 um, for strongman. So I, I go all the way up. Um, mm -hmm. I don't always weigh all the way up to 175. Sometimes I compete at like 160, but there's uh, the power or the weightlifting or the weight classes are very similar to uh, powerlifting. Mm-hmm. So uh, you've got weight classes all the way down to about the lowest possible one is 148, but that's kind of a graveyard of a, of a weight class. Uh, mm -hmm. It's pretty populated as low as about 165, and that's where it tends to bottom out. Okay. So, I mean, you're, you're putting on a good 40 pounds above your competition weight, which is, I would expect, right? Because, I mean, that's a brutal sport. You'd need some weight on you. Have you considered dropping like another weight class below, or do you feel like that 175 is a sweet spot for you? Um, I competed in 2000, in 2021 in the 150 class. Um, I got win from one of the national um, reps that that class was about to die. Uh, they were about to retire because there's not enough population for it. So I, I made the cut from 185 or from one, yeah, about 175 to that class to compete in it right before they got rid of it. Um, but yeah, there's just not a, enough population in the sport kind of like you know when you go to a show and it's like you and like two other dudes mm -hmm. um it's it was a lot like that in the, in the lower weight classes so there's just wasn't enough competition that's why that's i generally right. compete higher and the arnold is only 175 that's the lowest it gets so that was why i was competing at that at that weight as well yeah that makes sense i'm sure that's a i'm sure you feel significantly stronger there than what you do in the 150s right just a lot better for leverages yeah, for sure. I whenever I think about my like strongman weight, I think of the the Baratheon gods. I was strongman, uh, quote from uh, Game of Thrones. If either of you are familiar with that, but yeah, one eighty five. My my pressing strength was through the roof. 
So, um, yeah, when I was, when I was at my peak strong, man, it was, the high weight was uh, a lot of performance. I didn't feel great, but I performed well. Okay. Yeah. So what, um, so that seems to be like a, a big passion of yours, right? So where you started out with physique, you transitioned to strongman. where did the competitive aspect of bodybuilding come into play? Uh, so in 20, yeah, 2019, I was turning, uh, 30. And I've kind of always played with the idea of bodybuilding, um, at least in a competitive way, like hitting the stage. But the the barrier of being on stage with massive amounts of stage fright uh, kind of made me never really think about it. Mm-hmm. And then I was kind of thinking, well, I want to know how much muscle I put on these eight years of strongman. And I realized that I've been competing in, in front of crowds at this point for several years and I didn't even think about it anymore. So I thought, oh, well, I guess I'll give this a go. I'll finally kind of take the plunge at 30, see how I do. Um, And at that point, I just picked a show that was relatively local, Moorhead City ANBF show. Um, Basically the the same show I just did this last weekend, but several years before. Um, And I just started dieting down and, you know, grossly underestimated how quickly I needed to go to make that date. Um, but I, I got reasonably lean for that contest. And uh, when I got on stage, um, did the comparisons, did my posing routine, and we did the most muscular pose, I heard the crowd, like, actually, like, breathe in collectively. I knew, oh, shit, this is this is another sport I'm sticking with. Because just hearing the crowd reaction to, like, you know, sort of posing and just, like, all, seeing the work you've done, I was like, oh, yeah, this is a sport I can continue with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is, it is a unique sport in that you don't really see your success more than, you know, once a year, once every two years or even more, right? Where a lot of, you know, competitive athletics, you can see your log press go up, you can see your deadlift go mm-hmm. up, um, you know, in team sports, you score, you don't score, you get faster, slower, you know, all that. So yeah, it is very interesting, right? You like, we assume that we're making progress in these two, three year off seasons, but you definitely can't tell when you're 40 pounds over stage weight. Yeah. And I, and I was 80 or sorry, 185 at my, my peak for strongman. Um, I guess what felt like strongest, not necessarily my most competitive. And I was like, man, I'm going to cut down to 160 and be absolutely shredded. And then I hit 160. I was like, oh, geez, man, <laughs> maybe yeah. I'm going a little bit further. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. My first season, I got down to 145. Um, so I'm now 10 pounds lower than that from that first season. Yeah. And you're, correct me if I'm wrong, coached by Cliff, right? Cliff Wilson? Yep. I work yeah. with Cliff. Yeah. So uh, notorious for getting people. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So notorious for getting people lean, right? So you're, you're at that weight for a reason, <laughs> not overly yeah. dieted, right? Yeah. And uh, that's, I specifically chose Cliff for that reason. Um, that's kind of why I reached out. Cause I'm like, I'm not going to be the biggest guy. Um, but I feel like with the various things about my body and kind of how I respond to dieting that I can get, I had a feeling I could get very, uh, quite shredded or at least very, very lean. And I think I just wanted his approach to kind of take me there. Mm-hmm. And I've, I'm, I'm glad I did. Cause that was a kind of the right choice. Absolutely. And what gave yeah. you that sense? Um, I, in my first season, I absorbed, um, every podcast I could find, um, that had any interview with any expert whatsoever. 
Mm-hmm. So I think I listened to the entire backlog of Revive Stronger, um, the 3DMJ podcast. Um, I think, well, like half of Sigma Nutrition because that's a, that's a deep back, backlog there. But basically, I have a long commute and I was also a delivery driver. Um, so I had hours and hours. And all of the interviews that I heard, I jived most with basically the discussions that Cliff had. Uh, with various various podcast hosts and it's just kind of the, the art of that I really enjoyed and so I just figured I'd reach out and he had a space so I I jumped on it so when did you start working with him did you start working on because you did a 2019 season correct and then this year 2022 yeah that your two um, seasons when did you, you uh, pick up with I, Cliff I reached out um, just about when I realized that I could do Mr. America, um, mostly because I also found out while listening to, maybe it was your podcast, maybe it was the uh, longevity podcast interview with, uh, Brett that he was going to be at Mr. America. Mm-hmm. And I was like, all right, I don't want to make any mistakes in being as shredded as I possibly can for, for the, that show. Um, cause that was basically where I just knew I needed to be not making any mistakes. And I think that was about June. So June or May or June is when I reached out. Of 2022? Okay. Yes, of this of this year. Okay, so had you started prepping at that point at all or no, you were you started uh, I did right? Like a, I did a sort of like pre-diet, just sort of okay. like an intuitive cut some calories down, eating a little bit less. Uh, the process I'm familiar with from 12 years of, of being in yeah, strong yeah. Mm-hmm. but yeah, and, uh, from March, about March 15th, I started cutting down a little bit from okay. 168, which is what I actually weighed at, at Arnold. Okay. Mm-hmm. So still a, a significant, you know, relatively significant drop in that amount of time. So that's, I mean, credit to your experience and obviously his coaching, right? I don't think anyone's going to doubt Cliff as a coach and his ability to get people lean in time. Not um, at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let's let's talk about the season. Let's do a quick recap for those that haven't been following you or don't know. Obviously, we saw you at Mr. America, but there was one show or more before that? Uh, there was one show uh, before mm-hmm. that. It was October 1st. It was the Car- INBF North Carolina right. PC. Um, and that was, it was a fairly small show, but I did get my, uh, there was eight men in that. So I was able to get my WNBF pro card at that one. Uh, by winning the overall, which was pretty sick. Um, mm-hmm. That was that was a really fun show. I attended that one in 2021 to kind of scope it out. I was like, cool, I'm going to do this show next year. Uh, and it's going to be probably the start of my season, uh, just so that way my plan goes accordingly. And then mm-hmm. Mr. America will be next, uh, just because it's a big pro show. You can get used to that big-ass stage. Um, and that was awesome. Mr. America was sick. Yeah. So that was the second yeah. show. Yes, it was. And then, yeah, I did three shows in three weeks. And then last week was the ANBF Armed Forces Pro Natural or Pro Nationals, uh, which was quite fun as well. And one of the cool things about that show is I got to compete with, um, as a pro, the other person I competed with uh, for, for my first show in 2019. So he was there. We got to like shake hands, compete again, and I uh, full yeah, circle. It was awesome. Yeah, That's it really was. Cool. 
Yeah. And that was how, a good one. So what was that? Yeah. How was it being up on stage with all those incredible athletes in Mr. America? I mean, we were sitting there at the booth. Like that was just insane to watch in person, but to be up there, I mean, that's different. It was wild. There were so many legends. Cause I, I, I traveled to the Yorton uh, just to watch it because it, it's in Charlotte. So mm-hmm. I got to see Levi for the first time there. And then I was sitting backstage, just kind of pacing the, the hallway like I do. And uh, yeah, Levi walks by. I'm like, holy shit, that dude is huge in person. Yeah. He's just like, he's about the same height, but we are just totally different, totally different people. Um, I actually didn't see Meshach at all because we were in totally different parts until we were walking up to the stage. And I was like, oh, wow, it is. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, and then Ken Beerley was backstage just by me. And it was, it was just so cool to be, to be able to be on stage with basically so many legends or, and or people I've seen, you know, YouTube videos with interviews with you all. It's just, it was just unreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just Huge. wish I could have been on the stage with the heavyweights too, or the tall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was champions of champions, right? All different generations, different, you know, legends within their own rights. I mean, it was, mm-hmm. it was awesome to see. So yeah, I can't imagine what you were feeling kind of posing down with some of those people up there. Yeah. And then Dan, that was your pro debut last year, right? It was. Yes. Yeah. It was also my pro debut. So I uh, got to do the same thing. It's a good <laughs> one to start with. Yeah. My have to add it to my list we'll see we'll see i don't know if i it's want to do that to myself <laughs> well we so we were talking um in a podcast that actually hasn't aired yet with mark i mean regardless of if you're pro or amateur i think that shows a fantastic opportunity because right if you're an amateur you have the opportunity to turn pro in multiple organizations within one show and, mm-hmm. i mean that's that's fantastic or you're competing with some of the best in the world or at least in the u.s for now uh on the pro side so yeah win-win either way that and as an amateur you get to enjoy like a premier level experience for pro for bodybuilding in general like i mean small shows have their value it's it's great it's a good like dip your feet in the water but being able to like to step in and feel like an athlete treated like a high level athlete like it wasn't too far from how i felt competing at the arnold yeah so like i mean it's very very similar i didn't compete in bodybuilding so it's important to remember that the bodybuilders have a totally different experience at the Arnold than, than the strongmen, but the production value is huge. I would have loved to do that as an amateur too. So. Yeah. And that's, and that's why I've been, you know, highly praising the Mr. America ever since I did it last year. I, I saw what Mark's Mark's been doing with it, the, the amount of money he puts into it and the effort he puts into it and um, why we were, the three of us were very interested in, in getting involved directly through, through the live commentary. So, um, you know, I was very impressed with, with that weekend too. So, um, and everything I've heard from athletes is, is, is quite similar. It's a little bit of a different from the athletes because you do the whole check-in process and you're the tanning and the, you know, backstage area and all the, all that stuff. But, um, I've heard similar feedback from others about just, being treated you know like an athlete which which is how it should be so i'm mm-hmm. i'm the three of us are very much on board with that with that uh initiative and that yeah it meant a lot as an athlete to kind of feel like one so that was yeah. it was really cool yeah and i i saw today right so you kind of hinted at some of your 
your ultimate goal, right? So you competed at, mm -hmm. well, I'll let you say it, right? So Arnold, that was kind of step one in that process, right? Yeah. So step one, like my, my overarching goal earlier this year, after I realized I was going to the Arnold was to move back to bodybuilding after the Arnold. And what I wanted to do was to set up my season in a way that I could potentially compete in two in two world championships in two somewhat dissimilar sports mm -hmm. in the same calendar year. Yeah. Um, I don't know anyone. I don't know many people who've been able to do that. Um, and I thought it would be absolutely wild to, to give that a shot. And mm -hmm. not a lot of people know who I am. So I thought it'd be fun to kind of just like, if possible to just kind of show up, like who the hell is that sleeper? So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, you you accomplished step one, right? You compete at the yeah. Arnold's. Um, so I would assume then, right, you compete, you won your WMBF pro card, right? So this year, do you have to qualify or is that just a, remind me of that for this year? Cause I know yes. they've changed it in the past. Yeah. So step one, compete in the Arnold. Step two, INBF show, uh, win the pro card, which had to happen at that first show. Um, mm -hmm. because I then had to compete one time as a, uh, pro in WNBF at a show. The next okay. of which for me was only going to be possible um, this upcoming November 5th mm -hmm. um, up in a uh, little bit west of Boston, the Boxborough. Uh, the, the Monster Mash. Monster yeah. Mash. I did that yeah. show last year. Yeah. So I'll be up there um, competing in that one. Um, and I just need to be there. I'm hoping to do as well as I possibly can. Hopefully there's a bunch of people there. Um but we'll see how that one goes. It was a small then, pro turnout last year. So hopefully, did, hopefully it's a little bigger. Yeah. The email says a lot of people are traveling, so hopefully it's... For, fortunately, with the amateur show on the Saturday and then the pro show on the Sunday, the amateurs that amateur one, two, however many it is, depending on the turnout uh, that win the pro card, are able to compete on the Sunday. So so that increases yeah. the count. But Yeah, because I think Chris, Chris did that last year, competed, Chris did that last competed year, again. Competed the next day, yeah. Yeah, because I watched both, and um, I think there was only one actually last year, there was only one pro that showed up that was not a winner from the day before. But, um, if you're going, that means it, it's at least the same number as last year. So I've, yeah. I've heard of other people intending to go to that show as well, though. So I think hopefully you should have a handful at least, um, up there. Mm -hmm. And I, I'm, I have the feeling that shows are starting to get back to the way they were pre, um, pandemic. It just seems like a little bit better turnout with a lot of things. And, you know, obviously a little bit biased, right? Because Mr. A had a huge turnout, but that was you know, a premiere show. But I would just only hope that with that quality of competitor competing this year, that this might be like one of the, the up years, if you will, right? Because we all know that there's some years that just doesn't seem like anybody is really competing. Yeah, I'm hoping so as well. But yeah, so the the next one will be the that Monster Mash. I might try to sneak in uh, an OCB show on the 22nd, um, see if I can get my wife on board with me competing another three weeks in a row, um, mm -hmm. and for it to make a, make sense financially, just because it's it's a close show. It's in Fayetteville, which is two hours south of me in North Carolina. Um, and now that uh, OCB has the has lifted that you can't compete with other feds or whatever, um, yeah, I'm, I'm actually interested in trying that out. It wasn't on my schedule originally because of that. And then uh, I'm trying to sneak that in and then worlds after that. So that would be the 19th, there you go. which I'm, I'm ready to go to. So I'm super stoked for that. 
that'll be another one, right? It's a, it's an opportunity. It's an experience, right? Regardless of how you place, you can say you competed in a world championship and you saw in person some of the best of the best. Yeah, exactly. And one thing I'm excited about is being on stage with a number of other bantamweights. That would mm-hmm. be nice. Yeah, because that's always the... Being- yeah, I was going to say, being next to Meshach is awesome, but, you know, no one, no one <laughs> wants to stand next to Meshach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To truly compare yourself against other people that are comparable to you, right? I mean, that was that was mm-hmm. one of the things I actually said in the live stream, right? Like, some of the athletes in the Mr. America could have been a little bit more competitive had there been weight classes, right? Versus mm-hmm. the way that things were split. Um, you know, had there been at least lightweight, middleweight, heavyweight, or something like that. Yeah, and conceptually, I yeah, I like I do like the concept of height classes. So like people have an opportunity to get as big as they want without mm-hmm. having to make weight cuts. God knows I've made plenty of water cuts for strongman. Um, so I like the option of both. I'm just going to be far more competitive in a weight class restricted version than a yeah. height class restricted one, at least for in the number of decades I can imagine that I'll be competing in. Yeah, I'm right there with you. So what's your height? Uh, I'm 5'7". Okay. Yeah. So I got a couple inches on you. I am notoriously a lighter framed individual, but I'm like five ten. So I always get put in that like tall class next to dudes that are like 40, 50 pounds heavier than me. I'm just like, great. Here we go again. Brutal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, but um, yeah. yeah, so we uh, will certainly be following that journey. Right. So monster match first, then worlds. That'll be, that'll be good. Um, Dan, any, any points you want to bring up on the training history or anything like that or anything you thought interesting? Yeah, so I guess uh, to kind of close this out, I'm curious what your thoughts are um, after the season. Have you thought that far ahead? Have you thought, you know, what you're going to do after the show, reverse, reversing, obviously, or I assume putting some weight back on your frame and, um, you know, competing in Strongman again next year? Or what, what's kind of your, your thought process with that? Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've roughly mapped out the next two years. Um, after the, after the 19th, I plan to get back up to about, so I'm at 135 right now. I want to get back to 155 relatively quickly. I'll probably try to gain at a rate of 1.5 pounds per week until I hit that. Uh, and at that point I'll probably sit at maintenance or a, a minor surplus and gain up for the next roughly year. Um, and that year, I'm just going to compete at a local level in strongman and try to volunteer at the higher level shows, um, like judging and, and whatnot. But yeah, I'm going to compete in strongman again with my off season with, with a higher focus in um, improving my physique and spending a lot more time trying to build muscle. Most of my training in the last eight to 12 years has been primarily strength focused. Um, obviously I'm still building some muscle tissue, but I want to spend more time trying to focus on, you know, the, the things that will be more focused on building muscle rather than just kind of strength. So the rep ranges will probably change. Uh, some of my periodization will change. Um, but yeah, it'll be more focused on that while doing some local level strongman. And then for 2020 or the year after that, so 2023 to 2024, um, more gaining until I reach back out, uh, and then join bodybuilding again for competing in 2024, probably for a nearly identical season. All right. Maybe I'll bump into you. That's, uh, that's the target 2024. So hell yeah. I love that. I possibly could too. We'll see. There we go. 
Yeah, we told Mark we're going to have to hire some interns for that year because we all want to be <laughs> on that stage now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be so, fun. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, I, I think it's hilarious, right? Like, you seem to be very much like Dan, very analytical with everything, right? Like, oh, I'm going to gain 1.5 pounds for this amount of weeks, do this, do that. Versus a lot of people that are like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gain some weight and I'm going to train. And like, it feels like you have a very, you know, logical and, and laid out plan going forward. So that's... Uh, oh, man, you where... should see my spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. You the, guys you guys very out with tons of like if-then formulas and indexing. It's, it's glorious. <laughs> oh, jeez. I feel like I'm getting anxiety thinking about that myself. I'm just much more like I'll write it down on a napkin or like a random piece of paper. Yeah. and like, let's, let's go do it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like I I'm analytical, but my, my approach to this entire prep has been chill vibes. Um, so like, basically, I mean, I've, I've been, I'm a pretty low stress person, but I am very habitual. Um, one of the things that's been important for me is, um, setting myself up in a way that if my habits are disrupted, I'm not stressed out about it because I have backups or something else to, yeah. to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Um, just cause like Dan, I'm actually, I'm very, very habitual or, you know, I just all the meals at the same time, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't want to stress a robot. We all do. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I'm, I'm pretty similar in that, but, um, yeah, chill vibes has been important and, just not overstressing. So. Keeping that stress so, down definitely is, is a benefit in bodybuilding into the physique yeah. and progression and dieting. Yeah. yeah. Let's let's give an example of that real quick if we have the time, right? So how, right, something gets messed up, whether it's scheduling, uh, you know, training, whatever, give, a, give an example of how you kind of set up that system so people maybe can learn from that. Yeah, sure. Um, one of my main things that I always, I do most days is probably the next, the 30 minutes before I go to bed, I prepare for the next day. Um, and sometimes I'm out, like I'm entirely out, uh, cause like movie night with my wife and, or something is unplanned and I can't get back until like it is straight up my bedtime, which is very hard at nine 30. Um, I have pre-saved stuff in the background that like, ah, if I'm, if I don't have time or if I am too stressed, I know that I have a couple easy meals that I know I can always go to, um, some like quick breakfast and some like really easy scheduling stuff that I can mm-hmm. throw in, um, as a, just like a, whoop, I need something. I roll those dice out. Um, and I have a plan for the next day because it's, it's a flexible, um, structure that I have that I can just fill in the next day, kind of auto-populate it. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Normally, I like to be way more detailed, but I have those backups. Yeah. Good. No, I mean that makes sense, and that's something I think we can all probably, you know, have used in the past to a degree, right? Dan, we talk about obviously a little bit more structure than me and Leroy, but even with me and Leroy, we have our main like foundational meals, right? Like we take a more mm-hmm. flexible approach, but at any given time, I know that you know. X amount of chicken, broccoli, and rice is X amount of carbs, protein, fat. And like, I can plug that in at any part of my day or, you know, you have those, those staples that everything hits the fan. You still know what you can go to. Yeah. I plan variety and have backups of those meals. Yeah. And Peter, when, when I travel that I apply very similar methodology, like I have protein bars at hand or snap, you know, jerky on hand or, you know, that, that sort of thing. So I, yeah, bars. All the, and, uh, yeah, yeah. All the protein, uh, protein powders and stuff that they give in goodie bags. 
Oh, the little sample packs? Yeah, they're, they're I, clutch. I save for travel. Those are clutch for travel. They are. Mm-hmm. They are. Yeah. You should see Dan's like giant tote that he brings with him when he travels. It's uh it's impressive. He's got everything. <laughs> the man Yeah, a lot know. of it just stays in my house, like half put together. That way uh, I don't need to unpack it on the next travel. I'll just you know. But anyway. It's perfect. Yeah. yeah I love yeah, that. Absolutely. So well, yeah. So so we appreciate your time coming on tonight. Um, for those yeah. that don't follow you, let's let's shout out, you know, things that you're working on, uh, where they can find you, where they can ask you questions and kind of follow along your journey. Sounds good. Um, surge of strength, uh, surge underscore of underscore strength. That's my Instagram. That's where I basically just post me working out in my shed, uh, as well as my contest photos and uh, and strongman stuff. I also am a co-founder of Applied Strongman, which is a um, evidence-based strongman website. We basically post guides. Uh, there's not a lot of that for strongman. There's a lot of it for bodybuilding and for powerlifting, but not really for strongman. So uh, we provide basically all of that for free. Um, there is some coaching, so I do some strength coaching on the side as well. Um, so yeah, that's AppliedStrongman.net, um, and that's really it. Uh, basically, just Instagram and that site. That's kind of kind of all I run. Perfect. Perfect. Very yeah. Cool. All right. Well, like, like I said, thank you for coming on. We'll be following the journey. I think this is, these are the type of episodes that we love to do, right? Uh, a little bit of a unique twist on things. You've got a unique background and, and certainly a, a unique approach to your off seasons, right? Like strongman is, uh, is no joke. So we appreciate your time. And for those of you that are still listening, we appreciate you guys as well. Uh, if you're not already like subscribe, follow, and we will catch you in the next one.